Hello. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Cool. Right. What do we want to talk about then? So we'll just start off with what you do, how you got here, and all the other stuff, and just go with the flow of stuff. Okay, cool, man. Right, well, I started writing when I was 45. I came to it very late. Um, I mean, prior to that, I'd been a journalist, I'd been a graphic designer. So, I mean, I'd always kind of worked with words. Um, but I... I kind of had an idea for a story when I was about 19 years old. Um, it was kind of like a, a post-apocalyptic horror story. Um, I started sort of putting that together then, um, but I life went in a different direction, so I just sort of shelved it. And then when um, I got to the age of 45, um, I kind of, I'd moved from where I was in England. I'd moved to the kind of northwest of England from the northeast. Um, and got into a relationship with uh, with Anne, and um, she was. I, I was talking to her one night, and she said, um, "You know, was it that you really kind of want to do?" Um, and uh, I said, "Oh, I always really wanted to, to write." And um, she was kind of like the first person who said, "Well, yeah, well then do it. I'll support you. I'll help you. You know, um, you know, get yourself a job, get yourself a part time job when you've moved over here." and uh, just kind of write on the evenings. So um, so I did that. I put out my first novel. Um, but I didn't go down the sort of traditional route of looking for a publisher. Um, don't ask me why. <laughs> I kind of I kind of thought it would probably be a big headache, to be honest. <laughs> I thought, well, I'll, I'll have to finish writing this thing. I'll have to edit this. Then I'll have to send it off to lots of different places and kind of wait a long time. So um, so I didn't do that, and um, I just kind of continued. Once I'd done the first one, I, I wrote a second one after that, and uh, I just kind of kept going doing a DIY via Amazon, and um, I did that for about, oh, God, let me think, five or six years, um, put out my own works, put them out via Audible, um, but I kind of felt like I wasn't making a, a great deal of headway. So I... Um, I decided, <clears throat> Anne kept saying to me, um, you know, you really should send your work off to publishers. So I said, okay. So uh, sort of early on in 21, I sent um, a novella off to, oh God, about 15 different publishers or something like that. And um, by the end of the year, I heard back from two who were interested. So it kind of changed my path. Um, I signed a contract with... Um, a publisher in Kansas uh, called Bridges Gate, uh, run by Steve and Heather. Like that's where I am now. They've been uh, working uh, to put my uh, novella out, um, which is coming out next month. So that's kind of how I've arrived at this point. Hmm. Okay, wow, that's an impressive history you got there. <laughs> um, it's it's yeah, it's well, sort of. Um, it's kind of like, you know, it was, I sort of arrived here at this point sort of later in life, but I, I kind of felt that maybe that was the right time, um, you know, because, uh, you know, I, sort of, I think if I'd have tried to write things when I was younger, I, I think I probably had the innate ability, but I just didn't have enough of the craft, you know? So I think it's probably all been for the best for it to sort of happen now, you know? So, so yeah. So that's that's how I arrived here. 
fabulous. And how long have you been doing this for? Well, I started um, 2015. I started penning um, the, the first the first novel. So I guess we're, we're sort of, um, but I mean, that was late. That was in the December. So I would say for about six years, I've been working um, on my own releases. Uh, and then this one has come. I mean, really, Peter, to be honest with you, I would have, I would have done things entirely a different way, if I'm honest with you. Um, I started off uh, kind of like diving into the ocean. Like uh, the first novel I wrote was 105,000 words. Now, bearing in mind, I'd never written anything of that size before in my life. Um, and then the second novel was 103. So I, I didn't realize kind of like how big a task that is. Um, it's it's really what they call a marathon in terms of writing. Um, I think what I would have done is, um, had I done things differently, I, I would have started off just writing short stories and submitting them out to... Uh, um, but the truth of the truth of it is, I, I didn't really. <laughs> I kind of got into something that I, I didn't know the lie of the land. I, I didn't I didn't know the the landscape of the whole thing. Um, so I just thought, oh well, if you write a book, then you've got to write a big novel. <laughs> um, whereas I've I've since learned that I could have what I could have done was exactly that: send off short stories, or I could have written I don't know maybe half a dozen short stories and put them out as a collection. Um, or then maybe uh, write a novella, which is only, you know, up to 40,000 words. Um, you know, so I, I really, really dove in at the deep end. Um, and at one point, I think I think I was at about 50,000 words. <laughs> and uh, I was working full time. I was doing this on an evening and a weekend. And I was I was so exhausted. I really was. Um, and I kind of I kind of reached a sort of point where I, I thought oh, I'm really sinking here. I, I don't know how to sort of continue on with this and finish it. And, you know, my partner at the time, and she turned around and she said, well, look, just take a break from it. Um, you know, have a, have a few weeks off, have a month off, you know, there's no pressure. Just, just take that time away. So I did. And then I came back and that's how I allowed, allowed to finish it. Um, Cause I got the impetus. <laughs> Um, but it, but my advice would be to anyone starting out would be to start small, you know, don't go for the big things straight away. Um, and you've got it, you've got to sort of know what the market is. That was another thing I, I didn't really know. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it, to be honest. Um, like I, I wasn't really sort of connected on social media or anything like that to sort of writing communities or other authors. Um, so I kind of, I kind of had to do all of that from that point on. So I hadn't kind of put that in place first, you know. Hmm. That's nice. Is there, any, is there any books you're planning on writing and or publishing very soon? Um, yes. Well, I'm actually working on a collaboration at the moment. There's a, um, a lady, a wonderful author called Beverly Lee um, down south. And she she's pretty much done everything DIY herself. Um, she's she's uh, quite well known for um, writing uh, sort of uh, vampire novels, and um, but also kind of, sort of gothic novels as well, sort of your traditional sort of haunted house, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and she's a fantastic writer. So um, what happened was back in 2020, I put out an anthology called uh, Diabolica Britannica. <coughs> 
and really all that was at the time was was just a, was a, let's let's get an anthology of, of UK writers um, horror writers um, and it was you know what can we do it for well at the time obviously the whole the pandemic was kind of exploding then at that point so we said well okay we'll do it for sort of research for that so that's what we did so Beverly first sort of came onto my radar then because she submitted a story for that um, and then sort of a couple of years down the line um, you know I'd, I'd put out a lot of things she'd put out a lot of things and um, I just kind of messaged her and I said you know are you interested in doing a collaboration so she said yes so so we're working on a novella which is vampire themed it's called a light of little radiance um, and what that's about is it's it's about a, a sort of uh, a troop of, uh, of vampires um, who are um, traveler folk um, and so, but it's it's quite sort of historic. So it, it goes through sort of um, time periods, bringing it up to date. So you kind of go back to um, medieval times with it when it when it starts. Uh, and what I wanted to do was I didn't want to do a kind of um, traditional vampire themed story. You know how you know someone gets bitten and. You know, it's kind of like something's passed on from a master vampire or whatever. I wanted to do something different. So this one has kind of got a, a sort of cosmic horror sort of thing, whereby the female lead in it, she's kind of traveling on her own in the beginning. And she um, she's, she's had to invade a pack of wolves because um, it's kind of like in the frozen north. Um, and she falls through a, a crevasse in a glacier and she ends up in a, in a cavern. Um and that's basically was there thousands of years ago and it was um like a, a civilization that were worshiping something from a different dimension um so what happens is she gets um kind of attacked by that thing that's been in in a dormant state in hibernation there um and it it makes her into a vampire which is just kind of like a hybrid of what it it is and what a what a human being is so then she she gets out of there and she goes back to civilization and she decides that um, she wants to create others like herself because she doesn't want to continue on and exist down the ages just on her own. So because she's lost any ties with humanity because of that. So basically she creates this troop of vampires. They go around, they, they juggle, they entertain, they, they go to, um, you know, sort of big celebration to um, royalty um, for, um, you know, those kinds of celebrations. Um, and then that's when they they feast. But uh, ultimately, they have to be, uh, they have to evade uh, a witch hunter um, because it's at a time in Europe where <clears throat> it's in, his, in hysteria with the witch hunts that are going on. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. Um, I'm doing other things like editing uh, pieces of work for, for other authors as well. So, but the main focus um, for now is obviously uh, the novella, which is coming out uh, via Bridget's Gate next month. Um, <clears throat> it's it's what I what I wanted to do with that one was I, I like to sort of challenge myself. So I, I said, right, I want to create a, um, a a story about witchcraft, but I want to do it in a very traditional way. I want to do it in a fairy tale way. Um, but but uh, with adult themes um so i set myself a really sort of quite difficult parameter of trying to it as a child's story 
but with adult themes. So, for instance, what you would normally do as an author, you would normally say, right, I'm going to create a main character and I'm going to flesh that character out. So I'm going to give them a name. I'm going to give them a description. Um, I'm going to tell you various things about how they feel. Uh, but with a child's fairy tale, it's a very simplistic story. So, like, what I had to do was I had to confine myself to not really giving a lot of information about characters in there. So, you know, traditionally you would have, um, you know, characters like the woodcutter or the prince or the baron or the witch. Or, so I, I kind of had to sort of, you know, focus it right down on that and just stick with that throughout. Um, and sort of you rely on description um, of the character in certain scenarios in order to try and tell you things about those characters. Um, so it was quite challenging in a way, but, um, you know, but, um, you know, Heather at Bridgesgate, she loves, so basically found it's, it's true home. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that's, that's pretty much everything at the moment. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. So what was life for you growing up? Growing up? Yeah. Very different. Very, very different. I, I was from a very small community, uh, a pit village, actually, in the northeast of England. Um, so my, my world was kind of, it was like a postage stamp. <laughs> it wasn't very big. It, it was, um, you know, if we played anywhere, we played out in the street. I mean, I'm a child of the 70s. You know, I was born late 69, so I grew up throughout the 70s. Um, well, you know, a hell of a lot of austerity. Um and, uh, you know, uh, the, in terms of opportunities and um, prospects, there wasn't a great deal. Um, I, I was schooled in a very small um, village school. Um, and then, obviously, for the, for the sort of secondary uh, town, which would be Sunderland. It was, Sunderland's a city now, but it was classed as a town then. And that was kind of like five miles away on the bus. So, you know, <laughs> for me at the age of kind of 10 or 11, that was kind of like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving my small village <laughs> and going out to the big bad world. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of like a, a, big, a big sort of um, sort of jarring experience, really. It was kind of like being plucked from sort of, I mean, I wouldn't say it was a rural place where I grew up. I mean, it used to be a long time ago, but it was certainly backwater. Um, so to be sort of suddenly picked up and have to be thrust into the a, a big sprawling town was kind of you know it was a bit jarring for me to be honest, um, and then I guess also that was that was um, where I found out about you know the sort of life is quite a competitive thing because I, I was put into an all boys school a Roman Catholic all boys school and it was very very strict and. Um, we used to get lots of homework on a night, sometimes two or three hours homework. I mean, we, we used to do things like um, Latin and classical studies and all these very dry subjects. Um, and it was very, very strict because it was uh, it was a school that was used to um, um, such high performances and being high up on the rankings tables and all this kind of thing. So, the, yes, there was, there was kind of like lots of pressure. Um, I was put in quite a low group when I first got there. I think they didn't really sort of know anything about what intelligence I had. Or, so I, I kind of, I had to sort of, well, not prove myself, but I think they just sort of 
they saw my work and then they thought, all right, we've got him in the wrong group here. So this, they kind of moved me up to the sort of upper levels of the of the class structure, um, <clears throat> which I stayed in for the for the rest of the time I was there. But um, I, I think, to be honest with you, I got so sick and I got so tired of of the ac academic sort of surroundings and all the pressure. Um, that by the time I was about 15, I started discovering music and bands and drinking. So um, it kind of all went off the rails there for me, to be honest with you. I mean, I was the expectation was I would go on and I would go to university and I would go, you know, all this kind of things. And, uh, you know, the expectations would be that my my grades and my results were because, I mean, in my mocks, I, I, I passed every single one of them. You know what I mean? I got like really high marks and, and passed every exam. But I just kind of went off the rails towards the end. And I, and I think it was it was probably rebellion when I look back on it all. I think it was kind of, I am so sick of all of this strictness that I just want to have a good time now. Um, so I think what, what, what that did was it just made life harder in terms of um, when I, I got sort of spat out from school and into the jobs market, a, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for anything that I wanted to do, certainly not in the Sunland area. Um, I mean, I do recall, <laughs> I do recall, I went, I, I, I went to the job center and I was, uh, I had an interview um, with someone, what they were called at the time. And um, I think I was, I was about 18 at this point in time. And uh, I'd just done a course for graphic design at that point. I'd come through it. It was like two years. Um, <laughs> and I said to her, I said to the woman, I want to do graphic design. And she, she said, oh, oh, okay. Uh, so she looked around and she said, uh, there's, there's nothing really of that opportunity here. Have you considered being a butcher? <laughs> so I just kind of looked, and I, you know, when you think to yourself, oh, God, there's just no hope. <laughs> so, um, like, the options really was I could be a bricklayer or I could be a butcher or I could go and work in the supermarket, um, you know, or I, or I could go maybe down any of the pits that were still <laughs> open at that point in time. So th basically where all my talents and all my skills lay, there just weren't any opportunities. So I decided, oh, well, kind of bugger this. Um, I, I'll make my own opportunities. So like in my early 20s, um, I decided I went on a business and um, – I wanted to work in graphic design. Um, that's really what I wanted to do. Um, but then I decided I was going to have my own magazine. So I went on a business uh, course. I wrote a 40-page business plan. There was 30 of us on the course. By the time the course was over, there was only me left. Everybody else had left because I hadn't managed to get any funding for their business idea. Um, so I, I think I... I think I raised about thirteen thousand pounds or something from the bank and from grant funding for my um, magazine. So I, I set up a magazine, um, which was just a, a regional thing at first, um, and then uh, I put I put some issues out. Uh, I managed to get some exposure for it on national TV for free, um, and then um, a distributor, magazine distributor down in East Sussex called Diamond Distribution, probably not going these days. Um, <clears throat> they reached out to me and said, do you want to take this national? And I said, oh, well, that's a big step. I've, I've only sort of really been going. Um, 
sort of half a year at this point. And they said, well, you know, with our guidance and everything, we can get you into the news trade and we can we can get this national. So so that's what I did. I, I went back to the bank manager. I got more money. Um, I pumped it in. And, uh, and then I had a, I had a national magazine um, uh, that was on newsstands and airports and everything around the country. So all of a sudden I was kind of in a situation where I was having to commute down to London all the time um, and sort of talking to um, yeah, uh, sort of record labels in America and in Europe and things like that. So I'd get to interview their bands that were coming on to do European tours and things. So so ultimately after that, um, once that crashed and burned because a printer pulled out on me, pulled a contract on me, um, I ended up in newspapers. So that's that's how I became a journalist. I, I, I kind of I went to uh, regional newspapers in Newcastle. Um, which was called NPD at the time. And uh, I ended up working as a graphic designer in one department. And then I switched to the um, editorial side of things to become a journalist. So that was my career path from school. <laughs> there you go in a nutshell. Wow. That, wow, that, that is quite the story. Yes, it's, it's, it's quite, it shouldn't have happened, but it did. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I kind of, I, I found it rather difficult um, in journalism because there was this kind of back then. I don't know what it's like these days, but back then it was kind of, you know, it was very much uh, old boys club. You know, have you been to a certain university? Did you wear a certain school tie and badge? And I didn't do any of that, so I kind of found that I had to prove myself sort of ten times over in order to sort of move up the ladder. Um, but I did. I mean, by the time I got, by the time I was twenty nine. I was a senior sub-editor. Um, I was like the youngest senior sub-editor they'd ever had in the buildings because they were normally um, in their 40s, you know, people with sort of vast experience. Um, I was, there was many times the production editor would leave to go on meetings and they put me in charge of the production of the newspaper. So, uh, you know, I, I did prove myself ultimately, but um, it was it was quite hard because there was, um, you know, people trying to sort of keep you down and, and all the rest of it, but I wasn't having any of it. I was I was young and fiery in those days, <laughs> whereas I'm a lot more chilled out these days because I, I don't really feel I've got that much more to prove anymore, you know. So, so there yeah. you go. Incredible. <laughs> so, so at this point now, yeah, where would you see yourself twenty years from now? Probably dead. <laughs> um well i mean i'm i'm coming up to 53 i'm 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 53 um in december so um but it's funny you know because i, I kind of feel like i've always done the things that i wanted to do um you know i wanted to be in bands i did all that i toured the country um i even shook hands on a record deal which never materialized then i shook hands on a management deal that never materialized um, so, cause you know, there's a lot of swindlers in that industry. So, yeah. And then I also, you know, I had my own business. I put my magazine out nationally. Uh, then I went into uh, newspapers. I did that. Um, so I kind of feel like I've always done the things that I wanted to do. So now I'm totally focused on, um, being an author, um, and my writing, um, in terms of where I see myself, what I want to do is I just I just want to grow my profile and I want to do it organically. I don't want all of a sudden to be 
so I catapulted it into anything that I think is all oh, this is going too fast you know what I mean I mean I do I do have a publicist now a guy called Mickey at Creative Edge in America and he's been assigned to me by the publisher by Bridget's case so you know um what I would like I would like the holy trinity if you like so um not only a publisher not not only a publicist I would like an agent so what I've been doing is I've been I've been um, querying agents for probably about the last six months now. Um, <clears throat> I mean I've had some feedback. Oh, your work's uh, a lot of merit to your work. We like your work, but we just feel it's not uh, what we'd like to represent because obviously agents decide. You know they might want to represent someone who's writing middle grade or um, young adult as opposed to. I mean all all of the things I write are adult. You know. Um, so I need to find an agent as well because ultimately what I want, I want to be in a position with anything that I write from now on, novellas or novels, um, I want to be in a position where it can be optioned for um, for film or it can be um, you know sort of taken up by the streaming um, platforms like Netflix or whoever. Um, and you, you can't really sort of get into that territory unless you have an agent. Uh, but all I'm doing at the moment is everything that I write, everything I'm planning on the writing front, I'll always be putting that out to publishers. <clears throat> um, so really, it's it's about um, trying to just grow my profile. Um, and uh, I want, I, I would, you know, I don't, a, a lot of people, I guess, in these kind of scenarios are sort of chasing fame, but I'm not really, I'm not really interested in that. I think what I would like is is to to get to a point where I can make a living from it. So currently I have a part-time job and I'm a writer, but I, I just want to be in a position where I can sell enough books, I can go to conventions, I can do these um, you know, sort of public events speaking or whatever. And it's enough that I can make a living from it and a comfortable living. And I, I guess that's really, you know, what my ambition is with the whole thing. Um, so that would be it. Yeah. Incredible. And what has been the highlight of your week so far? The highlight of my week? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, there's a, I don't know if you, are you familiar with the horror community uh, at large or do you not really know much about the global horror community? I have some knowledge of the horror community. Right. Have you heard of a, a, a woman um, called Sadie Hartman? She's known as no. Mother Horror. No, I don't think I do. Right, okay. Well, anyway, she's. Um, you'll find her on Twitter. You'll find her on most social platforms, to be honest. I think she's on Instagram and TikTok and all the rest of it. Um, she lives out uh, northwest, sort of Seattle way, sort of Washington way over in America. Um, but she's um, she's a big advocate for for horror. Um, so there's like within the horror community on the on the socials, she's very well known. Um, she um, she was asked by my publisher to blurb my novella that's coming out. Um, so you know what that means by blurb? It just it means it kind of reading it and writing which is a, a sort of marketing blurb, which goes on the backs of books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she, she wrote one for, for my book. Um, and that has definitely without a shadow of a doubt been the highlight of my week because she's, um, she's so well known. She's so passionate about everything. Uh, and you know, if, if, if she's interested in your work, then you're, you're doing something right. 
you know so it's kind of like i've had um mother horror's seal of approval on my work so so that has definitely been the highlight of my week i, I was buzzing from that i really was wow yeah you know that is a big deal yeah it is yeah and uh you know i mean i've had other author guys you know and and uh, so sort of message me and say oh wow that's really cool you know so um you know it's uh it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's nice. It's, it's, um, it's, you know, I feel like I've been doing this quite some time, obviously sort of writing for the last six years. Um, and, and it's nice to sort of, um, let that, uh, all that hard work has sort of been appreciated, you know, so that's, it's lovely. It's, it's, it's a nice thing to happen. It sure is. <laughs> and that is all we have for this episode. It's gr it was great having you here, Keith, talking about your work as an author, your origin, starting from the bottom to the top, and everything else. It's been amazing. All right. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you very Anytime. much. Anytime. Okay. And until, fabulous. And until next time, stay opinionated. <laughs>